Welcome to Mediation Station. Each week we explore topics and ideas related to the experience of people with conflict and look to promote the profession of conflict resolvers. We are available to connect with at greggf at primus.ca and 647-227-4734. Our topic tonight is called Suggestions and Ideas on Informing and Educating Yourself with Court with our visitor Heather Huey Lutman and co-host Laura Tarcia. Hi Heather. Hi. Hi Heather. Welcome. So tonight we're going to make as conscious an effort to communicate in a manner that will resonate. Because some of the ideas, the concepts, are from a justice or legal perspective. We understand the majority of us are not from that perspective. We're not trained, we're not educated, and we don't work within that kind of space. So in order for our language tonight to really resonate for understanding, that's what we're going to maximize as much as possible. So how about you share... Heather, a bit of summary about your education professional background. Thanks, Greg. Um, actually, I probably will need a little bit of help with that in terms of uh, speaking in plain English because I think I'm transitioning to becoming, to thinking like a lawyer. <laughs> Very scary. Um, so my background, um, I have a science background. Uh, I have a graduate degree in analytical chemistry way back, way, way back from the 90s. Um, and then I took a few years off to be a full-time parent. Around 2005, uh, I got a job as a scientific consultant at a law firm downtown Toronto, and it was there that sort of started me, got me very interested in the law. Um, so I applied to law school, and I was really lucky that I got accepted to Osgood as a mature student. My original intention actually was to pursue a career in intellectual property law. Um, but um, as a result of my own experience with going through a lawsuit, uh, I actually became more interested in helping others who have to go through the, the same thing. So I found that uh, my practice sort of gravitated towards helping self-represented litigants. Um, and in particular, I'm very interested in um, educating them about the legal process. Uh, so currently, um, I provide free legal education sessions to uh, groups and individuals. Yeah, so that's kind of like where I am right now. And it's an evolving thing, too. It is. It is. It's not, you know, fixed. And, you know, from my limited experience with you, though we've bonded, it's mm -hmm. just that I know there's more to your perspe perspective, your story, your intention. You know, part of that we'll get tonight, and uh, we'll, we'll see what goes from that. Sure. So it's, it sounds like what you're involved with now, right? I mean, it's a direct it experience of um, of um, of your experience and with with the court, and uh, it seems like it's become a passion to you, for you to help others um, navigate the court. Yes, and and what led you to sort of involve yourself in the legal um, in the legal um, system, and then furthermore, so help the ones that are not, you know, the self-represented individuals. I think that, so after what happened, um, uh, what happened to, to, to me, I guess, well, after the lawsuit was over, which took about 10 years. Oh, um, wow. Yes, it was a long time. Um, I was actually struck by the fact that it, it would have been faster and cheaper and less stressful, well, for me anyways, to um, give up, to give in to the other side than to have gone all the way to trial. Um, I, I think that, um, so even though, even after the lawsuit was over, I, I mean, I wasn't celebrating. I wasn't jumping up and down. I mean, I think by that time, I was just glad that it was over. And I just kind of felt really kind of surprised at how things went. Um, legal fees are so expensive. Oh, yes. 
that I, I hate to say this even now as I'm saying this, but it's so expensive that sometimes we're better off not seeking justice. Hmm. I hate saying that, but it, it's true. Um, and anyway, uh, after this whole experience, I, I just felt I couldn't let it go. I, I couldn't accept that this is the way it is, that, this, that in our society, the justice system, in effect, is un unavailable mm -hmm. to most people. Mm -hmm. Can I ask you, with regard to your own matter, rather than asking you if you, quote, won, was the decision or the outcome in your favor? Yes, it was in our favor. And the reason why I didn't say you won or not... Yes. Because I sense a lot that you were quite disappointed. The expectations didn't materialize for you from that journey. Yeah, um, it's funny. I think most people just kind of, like, when they talk to me about the lawsuit, they just kind of focus on, did you win or did you lose? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that uh, it's really surprising that even in our case, uh, yes, it was in our favor, but the whole sort of experience, you really come out, come out you you come off feeling injured, I think, maybe further injured by the legal process. And that might be the, where a lot of the roots for why you gravitated to do your passion or identify your passion with assisting others who might be going through a similar I think so. or shared mm -hmm. experience, right? I think so, yes. Why is uh, the professional path that, you know, how do you identify yourself? I'll call it that first, professionally. How do I identify yeah. myself? What I, do you call yourself? Why? Well, um, yeah, that is a good question. I mean, I, I guess technically speaking, I am a lawyer. But, um, it's it's really funny because uh, I think I still kind of identify myself as a self-represented litigant. Um, Julie McFarlane um, uh, of the National Self-Represented Litigant Project, she did a an event, I think, earlier this year uh, where it was um, there... Uh, invited some self-represented litigants to law schools and I preferred to be on the panel of self-reps than to be on the panel of practicing lawyers who are offering un unbundled services. I I don't know. I, I, I think maybe maybe it's because I went to law school as a mature student. I, I'm not sure, but um, I, I definitely, yeah, I, I identify myself as a self-rep, but I want to be able to help them through what I've learned myself from law school, from being a lawyer, from helping other self-reps. So, so um, for the benefit of the listener, mm -hmm. how would you uh, uh, define self-represented litigant? What is that? Uh, it's a person who has to go to court and, I guess, present their case on their own without the help of, of a lawyer, without being represented by a lawyer. They have to somehow present Well, everybody's case. a litigant, right? Everybody Whether they have counsel or not. Yeah, then there are pe people who, for whatever reason, end up being their own lawyer, self-represented. Yes. Their own counsel. Yes. Then that's what we mean. Yes. Right. Okay. This focus, today's focus uh, of the conversation is regarding access to justice, what's known access to justice. Um, it, is, it is sort of familiar to us, to me and to Greg and to yourself, but just to make it a little bit clearer for, for our audience. What what is that meant by like, access to justice? Well, I, actually, that's really interesting because I was reading some scholarly papers on on this, and and I even I was kind of confused when I read the papers <laughs> because it seems like um, scholars have a very sophisticated way of defining access to justice. Now, I mean, I don't really want to get into that here, but for for me, anyways, um, 
for me, access to justice means people should be able to have their day in court and not be denied that right as a result of not being able to afford legal representation. I think that's kind of um, my simple way of thinking about this. I think mm-hmm. really anybody should be able to go there. You shouldn't, they shouldn't say, well, you don't have a lawyer, don't go away. That, that's not right. Mm-hmm. Or that many people say that you only need a lawyer if you're going to enter into the justice system. Mm-hmm. What do you say to that, possibly? Maybe as a, quote, trained lawyer that you might have a perspective on that. Sorry, you're saying... Well, the question is that would you only venture into the justice system with counsel? Or because, as per Julie McFarland's research, she's found that up to 70% of the people in the civil and family systems Mm -hmm. can end up being self-represented at some point. Yeah, um... You know, I I think a lot of people go to court rep- to represent themselves, but it's not by choice. It really, I mean, even even for me, I would rather have someone represent me. Really, honestly, it's just it's it's um it's I think it's just terrifying to to do that. And also, uh, it's I mean, I think this is maybe common sense. Um, it's just like when you see a person, like when a judge sees that you have someone representing you, it almost gives you that extra bit of almost credibility. Mm-hmm. But it, there's this uh, presumption that if people coming to court by themselves without counsel, they, there's a uh, assumption that, oh, you know what, your case is so bad or you're such a bad person that no one will represent you. And they sort of, there's like almost like a stigma. Um, so, I mean, I think that's decreasing but still, I think that is a little bit of a problem. So, um, but but from what I've learned for the last ten years, I, I think that you, I don't think you really would be effective if you were to to go to court um, without uh, without a lawyer's assistance at the very least. I don't think that's possible to just kind of go do everything yourself. Or, or do you see as being some of the things that you don't provide individuals uh, with? Uh, being able to travel to navigate the justice system in a productive and effective manner. Uh, yes. Um, so I'm going to speak from my own experience, uh, sort of as of a course. as a self-represented litigant. So when we, when I was first um, sort of thrown into the deep end, um, I was just astounded by the huge number of uh, seemingly arbitrary rules that that you're confronted with. Like sort of you know the exact format of the documents you know um, the front cover back cover has to be a certain shade of color and it has to be the right shade and you know you can't be a little bit off and you have to do it again you know um, just a lot of rules um, and also uh, I was really surprised actually that uh, even though the courts they have this template for you to download and fill it's actually very cryptic and and anyway it was very cryptic for us on the civil side it's not the family the family law side forms were also actually quite difficult to do even though they look like they're easy but they're not because they have these boxes that you fill out and you think it's easy but it actually isn't but on the civil side there are no boxes there is actually very scary like it's just uh, have this weird um, template and you don't know what to do with it um, so I was kind of like really shocked by that um, and I also found that um, uh, in the civil procedure the uh, every little, little even the smallest steps that you want to take it, it's a large step it's a, it's a big step so for example like, let's say you're just doing the simple step of going from being represented by a lawyer to represent yourself you got to fill out this notice specific notice and you got to find the right form know how to fill it out in the right format um, and you have to know that you have to serve it serve it properly there are certain rules about serving people and then you have 
you know, you have to go to the court, uh, line up for a couple hours, two or three or four hours, whatever, depending on the court. It's just a lot of paperwork that's associated with everything, every little step. So, um, and also, and it's, that's, that's actually not the end of it, um, there are also something called practice directions that are specific to each of the jurisdictions of the court, which I didn't find out until later, until I became, until, until I went into practice. So, there are just a lot of things that you have to learn as you, as you sort of, um, Learn it sort of by trial and error, yeah, almost. So, so even like as a lawyer, I, I used to think that you know, oh, oh, lawyers, you know, they they probably have this book that they have to like a reference manual or something, but we don't. So we kind of have to learn ourselves sort of the hard way, also. So it, it's it's I, I find that um, because there's no sort of one straight sort of uh, simple to read guide for everyone, um, that it's actually very confusing for lawyers and lay people, um, and that doesn't make things go smooth or easier. And uh, just one final point um, for this issue, um, it's just uh, I, I was really blown away um, by the possibility that, you know, like you could be arguing about a fence, but um, before you even get to argue about the fence, you have to, you may be, uh, you may have to go through several motions, several hearings before you get to the trial to, to mm -hmm. argue about the fence. And each of these um, sort of, the, the, I mean, I think of them as like mini mini hearings. They're called motions. So each of these motions have a potential to be appealed. So, and every time there's a motion, there's several months that you have to kind of deal with uh, lots of paperwork. Um, and then, you know, you have to deal with the possibility of there being an appeal. So um, the original dispute that you have with your neighbor or whatever, or you reach a contract case, it actually kind of mushrooms and, and it balloons out. It kind of spins out of control into mm -hmm. all these multiple <laughs> sort of uh, side issues that the, the litigants fight about. So sometimes I wonder, you know, by the time you really do, if, by the time you're lucky enough to get to trial, I don't know whether you will remember what you're fighting about. But it's it's just it's it's really sort of an eye opener, mm -hmm. the, how the process works. It's, it it really sounds it sounds draining. Very it draining. Sounds complicated. Very it complicated. Intimidating. <laughs> um, and, and, and that's and, complicated and cost, even for right? somebody who's trained yes. as a lawyer. Absolutely. So, you know, put that on to somebody who doesn't have that training education as the layperson, the everyday citizen. And if they are self-represented, what kinds of situations they're going to face to try to get aware of, to be informed of, to know what to do and how to do it mm -hmm. properly, of course. Yes. Properly, yes. I think, I think it's just overwhelming. I mean, I mm -hmm. think that even when, well, when I was a represent, when I was a self-represented litigant, I was already, I finished first year law school then. And um, I, I didn't realize that there's so much that I didn't know. Um, it's. I think you do a lot of learning through practical experience mm -hmm. in in this sort of thing. But uh, yeah, it's it's very very difficult for a lay person to navigate the system. It's, it, it almost sounds like access to justice is, uh, you know, on one side there we're, we're talking about access to justice and increasing, improving access to justice, and then on the other side we have uh, the stats are telling us seventy to eighty percent are self-represented. And and the system itself is like. Does it is it even sensitive to the whole experience of people to quote get access? Mm -hmm. From whose perspective is access to justice for the layperson or for the people, the stakeholders within the system? 
Yeah, we had we had we were trying we we're having a brief conversation in, during our break uh, with uh, with Heather about justice too, because justice is you know almost in the eye of the beholder. It is. I, it's a very subjective uh, yeah. uh, sort of uh, um, issue, and uh, we are ta- if we're talking about you know what you were saying earlier about the set of you know strict rules and guidelines that you have to follow. I mean, that's justice for whom really? Uh, if, if, as a layperson, that may not. You know, for them following, getting, and navigating into that system that may never resemble justice. I think you spend so much energy and then just you figuring spend out. So much yes. figuring out, uh, and and I mean, a lawyer in the in the legal position as well. You you stu- it's still overly complicated. So it's it's it's, it's quite interesting. Yes, I mean, it's, uh, the the system that we have um, yes currently designed. Yes. <laughs> um, um, I I have a question with yeah. uh, so. Going a little bit further, uh, what are some of the things that you know that people expect when they first learn they may have to be involved in the justice system? Well, what do you think? Uh, yeah. Um, so, well, first of all, I think that people. Uh, I mean, I, I know I did for for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I think most people would. Uh, we would expect to be able to see a judge. Um, within a reasonable amount of time. So what does that mean? Well, 10 years is not reasonable. Mm-hmm. Uh, five years is not reasonable. Um, actually, I remember my f- one of my first meetings with my first lawyer, uh, he was saying, oh, well, you probably get a trial with two years. Two years? I said, two years. Um, and uh, And I think to him, it's just... Um, I mean, that's what's expected, but I was kind of shocked. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was a long time. Uh, another thing that people um, may not realize is... Um, it's about appeals. I think appeals is a, that's an interesting one because I definitely didn't know that uh, that appeals are not retrials. That um, I think sometimes you have people think, oh, you know, if you don't like what the judge, how the judge decided you, oh, there's always a chance to appeal. Oh, no problem, don't worry. But uh, I, I, most people don't realize the criteria, um, the grounds for appeal, the criteria. So um, actually, it's a, it's quite a hurdle that you have to overcome. Uh, what you have to basically uh, do is you have to find the ways that the trial judge made a mistake. Um, they call it erred. Um, so, and that that's very difficult. Uh, and you most, I, I would say, I, I would say you would definitely need an appeal lawyer to help you with that. So it's not simple. And uh, oh, here actually, yes, I, I yes, this is this is one that I really do want to say. I remember a friend told me that uh, once we hired a lawyer, he said, "Oh, don't worry. You know what? Now that you got a lawyer." everything is going to be fine and you can now relax and I thought okay great <laughs> actually it wasn't like that um, you still have to do a lot of work on your own to prepare the documents the evidence in your case and the more organized you are the less you'll pay to your lawyer obviously but uh, there's a lot of work that um, you should be doing to help to cooperate with your lawyer I didn't know that and uh, the last thing I just want to add is that um, a lot of people um, expect that um, if you win, that the other side will reimburse your all your legal fees, and that is not true, and maybe not even half. So um, there are laws for that. There, there are just a whole bunch of case law for that. But um, yeah, so these are actually some of the common sort of um, assumptions that people have mm-hmm. about uh, expectations, I guess, that people have about the the legal process. Isn't that incredible, right? I mean, yes. I, I wonder if people would know this from the onset. They would know that. All these expectations are not, you know, not reality. Yeah. They're not. They're not reflective of the reality and of, of of what's going to happen to their case or to them. Or, I wonder if if uh, if they would change their perspective and they would change their uh, the way that they act. Yeah, but maybe on a rational level, 
that kind of thinking. You know, when people feel they've been wronged, yes, they don't necessarily think or yes. behave or act in a rational manner. Yes, it's a lot of emotion attached to it. I've been wronged, and they they've done it to me, mm-hmm. and now they got to pay for it. So you know, you try and inco- uh, inform people, educate them about the the realities that they might face. Finding a way that you can communicate that in a way that resonates with people to really, oh, really get it, the light bulb go off, that's really hard, I believe. Because when people experience being wronged or feeling they've been wronged, they don't listen to yes. other people. i got to get my justice quote type thing. i got to make them pay for it. Yep, exactly. So, you know, I, I know we're going to gravitate to this by the end of the show. And that's one of the purposes, is to provide people with some tools uh-huh. on how to help them to connect with trying to help better themselves in terms of being prepared to prepare for court if they need to go through it, whether it's civil or family, and also once they're in the system, how can they best maximize their and be effective within it? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Heather, mm. what, what do you think people have the most difficulty with, uh, with understanding as they attempt to organize themselves um, you know, going to going through the justice system, the yeah. court process. Yeah, um, I think that one of the biggest problems that people have is understanding sort of what legal relevance is, what a legal argument is. Um, so when I started, even the first year in law school, um, I think I was under the impression that, oh, you know, how, how difficult can it be? I mean, I, I know what's just, I know what's fair. I'm, I'm an adult. Um, and uh, you know what? All you have to do is just come to court and say your piece, and the other side, they'll get their turn, and then the judge decides. And that's it. Like I thought, it's that simple. Um, and I just thought you have to be sound. You have to have to sound like a reasonable person and be nice. And um, and I know I I had a lot of conferences and judges. I mean, I have judges that they're very smart, they're very wise, and they um, they have this you know superior sense of moral sense, uh, you know common sense. And they'll come up with a good solution. So I, I definitely kind of felt that, thought that way. But no, that's that's not how it works. <laughs> um, I also didn't understand. Uh, I didn't. I had no idea that um, our system is based on something called the common law system. I really mm-hmm. had no idea until I the first year of law school, and then, you know that first week, second week, of course, it just kind of like I was like, what? <laughs> just hit me. I had no idea. You have to kind of use a previous case, previous judges' decisions to support your argument. I, I didn't know that you're supposed to do that anyway. Um, so uh, that I think probably a lot of people don't didn't know that. Um, and also finally, I just want to, I, I found this out when I, I do a lot of observations at court to uh, find out what other people don't know as well. And so I, uh, there have been many cases where a self-represented litigant would come to court and it will be kind of they they would assume that the, that you can just ask the judge for anything that they kind of like feel like asking. So so let's say that you're there for custody, they'll be oh but what you know I'm here already, my my ex spouse is here, so now I'm going to deal with the property issue, uh, and you're the judge, and you know I just want you to deal with this now while I'm here. I took a day off work, um, you know my ex spouse is there. Why can't you just decide this now, like normal people? Like normal people, you know, that I'm going to tell you my side, my side. right? <laughs> the other side, you know, my ex spouse will tell you their side and just do it now while we're here. The parking meter, you know, I put, I put in all my money and I don't want to take any more time off work. And then the judge will be saying, no, you cannot do that. And then it just 
feels like it feels like the judge doesn't want to hear you. It feels like the judge is saying, "Oh, you know what? I'm a self-represented litigant. That's probably why they, he doesn't want to hear me, or she doesn't want to hear me." Um, and one time, I remember this. I remember I was attending. I attended a, a motion, and the and the motion judge said, um, "No, I cannot do that. You did not give me. You did not do the paperwork." You have to do the paperwork. You have to bring a proper motion, and the, the litigant was everything just went over his head. What's a proper motion? It has no meaning. So what does mm-hmm. that just has no meaning? So a judge could be saying this at the top of her lungs, and it will not get any result because people just don't understand what you mean by that. But even though that's of course so obvious to us in the legal profession, what a proper motion is. So it's just things like this. It's just really interesting. I kind of found out, you know, the mm-hmm. disconnect. Between the between the layperson and the because yeah you were able to have both perspectives right yeah which is, which it's is really quite interesting rare and it's it's enriching um, this is why I I mean you you can it, it's incredible that you <laughs> you were able to use that and now turn it into into what can an opportunity example better access to justice well an opportunity right because yes. and, and that's the convenience it's just here justice, right yet the system is very structured very formal yes it's set by Defined rules expectations, and rules, and procedures, and, yes. yeah. and so that's how it functions. And so it's people who are from outside of that have to fit into it, rather yes. than the system itself adapting it for the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's something for people to ponder with regard to access to justice. Can you make the system adapt for the people rather than the people adapt for the system? What are the types of things that people can do to better inform themselves or, you know, to learn about um, about it as they move through the court process, as they navigate along? Yeah, um, so there are a few things that you could do, Laura. Um, so one of the first things I suggest to people usually is that they can do some reading on their own, and there are actually a couple of very easy-to-read books um, that have been published actually last within the last year. So the first one I want to... Um, um, give a shout out to is uh, Denise Berry's uh, Journey to Justice. So Denise is a, a BC is a lawyer from British Columbia. Uh, she uh, helps uh, self-represented litigants uh, in family law, mm-hmm. I believe. And she has this fantastic book. I have a copy, um, and I always recommend um, the the people I coach to buy a copy or borrow in the library if it's in the library to read it first, and then they can come with their questions. Uh, another book that's really good is by a fellow called Devlin Farmer. Uh, and the book is called Representing Yourself in Court, How to Win Your Case on Your Own. Um, I have titled these titles on my website, actually, if people want to refer to them later. Um, the second thing I recommend people do uh, is to do some basic legal research on your own on a, on a free um, public database called Canly, C-A-N-L-I-I. So if you go on Google, you can just type in C-A-N-L-I-I and it will just pop up in the first entry and you just click on that. Um, it's fairly simple to to, to navigate. Uh, it's, uh, I was just giving a session actually last week to a, a person to, to help her through, uh, guide her. Uh, she, she, uh, we had a lot of fun. <laughs> um, we were starting to um, type in all kinds of disputes uh, and uh, we had a lot of fun navigating that system. It was really good. Um, so it's not easy. It's not hard to, to learn. Um, and another suggestion is definitely if, if you can, that uh, if you have a, a hearing coming up, like a, a trial or a motion, you should probably go to the court that your case is in and watch some of these hearings. Because um, even lawyers are encouraged 
to watch hearings uh, and learn um, you know how it's done and it will just give you that much more confidence you'll be a lot less scared because I think um, when, when you don't know how something works you have a, you just kind of let your imagination run away and uh, you imagine all kinds of things but um, it's really not as bad as you think so you just go to a few of these and you watch um, and one of the, and well, actually the last thing I want to just say is uh, perhaps if uh, if you can afford it, you, you may want to just hire a, a lawyer to just give you a consultation, give you a little bit of a um, uh, uh, um, some tips, mm-hmm. sort of as to how to handle yourself in a for a particular hearing. It'll just help you feel that much more, I think, mm-hmm. confident going in to just even have to hear a few words from a lawyer saying, okay, you know, you should do this or you should do that. Or mm-hmm. Think about this. I think that would be really helpful. And are there there are there any free consultations or that they can probably get? Some um, well, I'm doing free consultations oh, right okay. now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and all, um, until the end of the year at least, um, and then I'm not sure what I'm going to do after. But um, definitely, for for now, I'm offering free. Uh, I mean, I call them sort of I call coaching, coaching type type consultations. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, stu- um, so if you uh, just sort of like a, based on general general information, so I I can I, if you want to know about you know, overall how, how does the civil process, how does it go, you know, I can definitely sort of help with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes. So, <laughs> actually, the yeah. Law Society of Upper Canada has what's called the Lawyer Referral Service. You go on the website. If you want to find a lawyer particular to the area of law that you're concerned about, you can get the name of a lawyer and get a 30-minute free consultation with regard to that. Of course, that's only 30 minutes, mm-hmm. and many of your situations may entail a more in-depth conversation. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, that's a way to get some that's, yeah, that's some access yeah. to uh, legal advice. And that's why, I mean, the, her suggestions, the suggestions yeah. she just made are extremely, yeah. extremely important yeah. because the, the better organized you are, the more informed you are. And the more yeah. confident you are in terms yeah. of you your... Use that time Even if you lawyer. don't know what you're doing, it's the perception can be so much more powerful if you th- mm-hmm. present yourself that you're, you think you know what you're doing. <laughs> so... We don't have much time left. Um, any s- other suggestions that you can say? Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, I was just going to add a small point that um, if you have a lawyer representing you, that that's really great. But um, I think that maybe if you want to feel a little bit more in control, you, you can kind of consult with your lawyer and say, well, okay, now at this stage, you know, what are my options? So instead of just kind of him or her just kind of going through the whole process and then you're like, what's going on? What's going on? Oh, why are my legal fees of $10,000 this month and $12,000 next month? You can say, okay, so, you know, um, how good are, how good is my case? You know, and then you can you should probably be discussing settlement um, options. The million-dollar question now. So what, why should lis- listeners care about, you know, conversation on this topic today? Um, right. Um, I, I, I think this, this is important because I think it's important to realize that you don't, uh, that the status quo doesn't have to be accepted. Um, like we don't have to just accept the old model that, you know, it's, it's all or nothing. Um, I think we should be more open-minded. We should be more innovative. And uh, I also think that... Uh, yeah, I, I think that it's we sh- we shouldn't assume that going to court is going to solve everything, and that you know, going to court is the only way to resolve disputes. Um, and as for legal education, um, this kind of I, I always felt that I, I'm very lucky to have gone to Osgood. I'm really very lucky, um, but I don't think that only lucky people should um, be, should have legal education. 
I personally think that legal education should be f available for everyone. Um, it just makes sense for users of the system to know how to use it. It's, n it's not the, the justice system is not there for the lawyers. It's for everybody. Um, and uh, I also think that um, it's about ownership, taking ownership, kind of for people to take ownership of the problem and to take some responsibility and educate themselves. I think it, it probably works better for mm -hmm. everyone. Yes. No. Absolutely. Uh, so, if if listeners want to hear more, since we're approaching the uh, the last couple of minutes there, uh, on getting better informed and educated about court, what what do you suggest they do? Uh, well, I guess they could they could call me. <laughs> they could okay. reach mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Go ahead, do it. Oh, right. Okay. So my email address is um, hh at litigation-help dot com, or um, you can also visit the um, it's called the, uh, it's the self rep navigators website. Self rep navigators is an association of lawyers who specialize in um, unbundled services that's uh, tailored to help self represented litigants. And their website is uh, www.limitedscoperetainers.ca. So just go on there, or you can Google self rep navigators, and it should sort of come right up. Okay, so we we have to say goodnight. We want to say first thank you very much. Informative, educational, and in a way that pe will resonate with people. So thanks, Laura. Thanks, Heather. Thank you, Greg. Have a thank good you, night. Laura. Thank you. Thanks, okay. Heather. Thank you. You've been listening to Mediation Station on CHHA 1610 AM, Canada's first community and ethic station. Mm -hmm.